It is the Love Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's George. And we are here to talk about the increasingly and accurately named Big Ten Conference and all of the chaos that that conference, Arizona University, University of Arizona, whatever you want to call it, I don't care. In particular, the Big 12, SEC, ACC, all the conferences, Pac-12, RIP. We're going to talk about time all to go of back to legends and leaders yet? It's not time to go back to legends and leaders. I do think we need to start um, doing like hyper specific names for conferences, like they did in the seventies and eighties, um, and, and like I don't know, some kind of like amalgamation of all the names of the teams in the conference and just make it something you know incomprehensible. I think that would be fine, but branding purposes, Big Ten, Big Twelve, SEC, SEC can stick with what they're doing. I don't think the Big Ten is going to change. Um, I think triple entente would be appropriate. Triple Entente, that would be really cool, actually. I didn't, I didn't no, think that's, about that. that. Those were the bad guys in World War One. I. I don't want No, that. no, it was the <laughs> – no, the Triple Entente was the – those were the good guys. Although, I mean, you could argue there were no bad guys or good guys, I guess, in World War One. I. I don't know. Pretty bad. I, I'm pretty better with World War Two. I, I know the axis of evil. Yes, that's right. We, I don't that's think we want to be – I don't – that's right. I don't think the Big Ten wants to be – wants to rename themselves the axis. Um <laughs> Uh, but, you know, given how smart the leadership is occasionally, that, that might have been floated. Uh, but regardless, we've got a lot to talk about. There's a lot going on. Um, obviously, the biggest of which, and especially as it pertains to Ohio State and the Big Ten in general, is Oregon and Washington joining the conference after a flurry of activity at the end of last week. You know, and this is one of those things where after USC and UCLA joined, I think a lot of people were just speculating all right, when's the other shoe going to drop? When is this going to happen? Arizona goes out and says, hey, this is not looking super viable. The the television contracts, the broadcasting rights contracts the Pac-12 is getting are, are demonstrably, significantly less than what the Big Ten, um, what the Pac-12, or excuse me, what the Big 12, what the SEC are getting. So Arizona said, we're out. And in their courtship with the Big 12, the Big Ten then saw their opportunity, kind of swooped in, started to do a bunch of, uh, you know, talking with the likes of, like we said, Oregon and Washington. And then, um, you know, as of basically like Saturday, the weekend, Friday, it was, that was it. It was pretty much, it was a done deal. Now we can get to all this stuff. I'm not really interested in rehashing all the particulars of, you know, how this all went about and things like that. That's, that's for a different uh, more intensive podcast. We, we do have sorry. to mention Brutus teased this news two weeks ago. <laughs> That's right. Else. That's right. That's right. You had the the cool little picture there, um, you know, with him and and what is it? What's it? Puddles? I think is the name yes, of it. It is Puddles. It's, it's correct. Puddles, which is a fantastic name for a mascot, by the way. I really enjoy that. But um, again, I don't want to get into all the super particulars because I don't think it's that particularly interesting. Just the fact that. You've got Washington, Oregon in conference. George, how do you feel about this? I mean, obviously, we've got a ton of expansion. The Big Ten is, again, almost twice that at this point. Um, do you feel like – let me ask you a very let, – let's do a specific question here. Do you feel like Washington, Oregon add commensurate value to the Big Ten to justify their inclusion? Yes. Okay. Um, that's and I and I'm really excited about it. In the context of USC and UCLA already being here, yes, because okay. now this isn't just a oh, the Big Ten has Los Angeles and it's vacation rotunda now. Right. Now there's an actual like quadrant of viable road trips out on the West Coast that really gives this conference uh something that transcends the regional spectrum of college football, I think. So this this news is really just a vindication of a lot of things that we've talked about during many of the off-season episodes of this show, which is the regionality of the sport is fading out and the rich get richer. People want to be in the Big Ten because they see the Big Ten making media moves. They see the conference is actively trying to compete with the SEC now in the TV rights market, the ratings market, uh, for recruits, it's a it, college football effectively is an all out war right now. 
Now yeah. go figure. I mean, it was prior to that, but the the wild west environment that we have alluded to has put the power players in a position where it's manifest destiny right now. You got to go you, you got to go out and get the unclaimed territory for yourself while the rules haven't been written for it yet. So as NIL is still continuing to take shape and we see so many of the conferences breaking down and reforming before us, you're going to see the teams with more and conferences with more resources available to them and more leverage to deploy, uh, make that work to their advantage. And the smaller players in the sport are going to pay prices in more rapidly in ways that maybe they didn't necessarily expect to. I think a good example in terms of how this era has drastically affected what was once a very powerful program very quickly, comparing a school to a conference in this case, what we just saw happen with Oklahoma just kind of losing Lincoln Riley overnight and seeing much of their program evaporate, even though they were able to plug the holes with major names like Brett Venables, you still saw how that kind of vampiric effect, what that had on not only Oklahoma, but then how that boosted up USC to the point where they became the most attractive name that ended up joining the Big, the big Ten. Now... Right you're going to see something similar happen with the Pac-12 relative to those teams going on to improve the Big Ten and the Big 12. And the four teams that are remaining, you you have to imagine at this point, the conference has been around so long that I would think they're going to do what they can to invite new members. But it would be very unrealistic, I think, for to think that you're going to get eight teams that are otherwise securely anchored into their regional markets to want to subscribe to uh, Pac-12 After Dark, which has historically been criticized for not being able to draw as big of an audience as the rest of the country, if only because of the right. West Coast time zone. So it's it's quite a conundrum for them. I don't know what's going to happen to the Pac-12, but I do know that the Big Ten and the Big 12 are about to stand to benefit from it greatly, and it's time to rename both conferences. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna get into the Big 12, actually, talking about them in a second. I, I think as far as value... Um, Oregon and Washington are, are pretty good programs. Uh, if you're if you're going, you know, bad and nationwide, CZ Top style, right? If the Big Ten really wants to go coast to coast with this, uh, those are not the Big Ten's got legs and it knows how to use them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I like that we worked in two ZZ Top references. That's good. Um, so <laughs> they're going to need a lot of cheap sunglasses going out to LA all the time. So <laughs> I could do that all. I could do this. I'm all. only 29, Johnny. I don't, I can't pick <laughs> up all of these. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, my point is, is that I think these are two good programs that do bring financial uh, value, historical value, all that stuff to the Big Ten. That's great. It helps USC and UCLA when you talk about travel and things like that, although that's still going to be insane. Like, I'm not going to pretend like that solves it at all because it clearly does not. And in some ways, you could argue it makes it worse. Uh, as Garrick, our own Garrick, Hajid, um, uh, earlier on the site today as we record. Um, you know, the thing is, is that I am torn on this personally for a couple of reasons. One I acknowledge that this is just the way you got to be. If, if you are a conference in today's college football, if you're the Big Ten, if you are the Big 12, if you're the SEC, um, you know, you've got to go out, like you said, and it's manifest that you just got to stake your claim and say, all right, this is the this is what we need to stay viable. This is what we need to continue to justify $7 billion TV contracts. We have to have this. You don't have a choice. You have to do it because – that's how all of this is shifting and it's shifting very quickly. And if you're the PAC 12, for example, and you spend the summer like wringing your hands about whether or not you should bring in San Diego state, you've already lost, right? It's, it's over. The problem that, is that's a good point. It's so yeah. funny really quick. Everything right. that happened with San Diego state right. happened exactly. before all of the PAC 12 is like, nah, we don't need all of, we don't need San Diego state. That would make us look weak. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, that'd be great as a fifth team in the conference. So, 
my Brady point Hoke is just radioactive. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I guess. But my point is, is that from a purely mercenary um, financial capitalist sense, you had to do this as the Big Ten. You you didn't get, I think, like the really big names. I mean, Stanford on the West Coast, I think, would have been the biggest get. I think they're going to end up independent after all this, and I don't think they're going to be upset about that. Um, Cal would have been interesting. Their, their athletic department is super in debt. Uh, but so is, I mean, you could argue, so is Washington, even Washington State. My point is this. You had to do it. The, where I feel conflicted is that I hate that that is the case. And I do feel for fans of a program like Washington State that just saw their longest rivalry that's over 100 years long, right? It has history of 108 years in the Apple Cup is gone, right? Like that's gone. And I can't, as an Ohio State fan, I don't care about the Apple Cup, right? Like that's not something that's ever impacted my life or my fandom, you know, as a college football fan. Speak for yourself, John. <laughs> well, the Apple Cup last year slapped. It was an incredible football game. Well, and I got to say, you know, like that's that's the thing though, is that I have to understand that even if I'm not personally invested in those things, other people are, and it's still valid and it sucks for them that they are now kind of like, you know, in this whirlwind being pushed around about how the way college football is. And that genuinely sucks. And so, like, again, as an Ohio State fan, you know, and somebody writes about the team and all this other stuff, it's hard for me to feel any type of way about another team losing a regional rival or losing their conference because that's not going to happen to Ohio State. It's not. Like, they are they are probably one of the most secure uh, programs, brands that you can possibly envision in college football. The Michigan game will always be there. They're going to be a part of some kind of conference where they are the top dog and making tons of money. However, that plays out in the future, they're fine. Um, but then that behooves me as an Ohio State fan to try to relate to teams that don't have that kind of security. And so that's the part that I, I just, I am not super happy with because when people complain about you know, the direction of college football with NIL and everything else. It's inevitable. All of that was going to happen. They started, Michigan played in Pasadena in the Rose Bowl in 1902. They put those dudes on a train going 40 miles an hour in Ann Arbor, Michigan, to send them to Pasadena, California, to play in the Rose Bowl in 1902. Because... And for no real reason. I mean, this, this is obviously an exhibition game at that point. It's, it's always been. Um, but it was a money-making venture. And, and when you start to add in billions of dollars a year, eventually that's going to trickle down to the culture of the sport. And that's, that's something that I think we could have pushed back more against if people really, but, but the truth of the matter is, is that I think sports fans in general like what that money brings and in college football, I think you want to try to like there's this this um, desire to keep that money separate from both the players and then also consideration about like conference and stuff. And that was never possible. That was never possible. It was always about the money. And, you know, I'm not sitting here saying like I told you so. But what I am saying is that if you want it to change, it's going to require more than just being like, oh, I'm sad the Apple Cup's gone. So I don't know. It's 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 I I'm conflicted. I think as Americans, we generally like to adhere to the idea or the concept of separation of church and state. Sure. And I think the one thing that I often like to, a word that I use to describe the football experience in Ohio, um, because I grew up in Illinois, and Mm -hmm. the football experience in Illinois is not the football experience that is in Ohio. Uh, it, as hard as this may be for, you know, people that grew up in Columbus to put yourself in the shoes of another fan of a big 10 team, uh, the, the experience of growing up a Northwestern fan versus <laughs> growing up an Ohio state fan, uh, it can be quite Quietly different, different quite sure. stark. Yeah. My point is it, part of that goes further than just the collegiate, uh, atmosphere surrounding the sport in a state. It goes to the high school level. It goes even further down to middle school and formative years. You know, how much, how entrenched is the sport culturally at all age groups 
in a state. Mm-hmm. You do not find the same exposure across not only the whole country, but even the Midwest as you do in states like Ohio or Texas or you know other states that are generally considered more or get more eyeballs, I think, such as California or maybe Florida, uh, some states like that that may just be well-rounded athletically generally. But specifically as it applies to football, I think those four states are a good example of states where you have that kind of permeation of the sport at all major age groups as a very top option. And for that reason, I would call the commitment to the sport and the experience of that in those states a religious one. Mm-hmm. It really much does feel like that when you, you know, if you, you're really all you're doing, especially in the collegiate sense is swapping Saturdays for Sundays. It, it's a week long experience in terms of the dedication to, you know, preparing for and getting excited for these games that you ultimately are hopeful you're going to be able to play uh, later on as your life continues um, and the the level of competition continues to rise. You want to think that that kind of religious experience is going to be able to be as preserved as possible. Yeah, and I think and for pure, many years, right? it, like ideologically it, pure, right? And I think for many years it has in college football. But the as you've alluded to, with you know money having just this slow kind of trickle down effect. It, it we've finally reached the point where the reality of having this much of a financial incentive and component tied to something that we want to keep pure because of how, you know, much it is entrenched in our culture down to our children. You, you really do want to keep those things separate. And the sad reality is I don't think that we're going to be able to do that anymore and yeah. it's now compromising the, the the regional and cultural ties of the sport in a way that to people that aren't really as affected by the downside of this, it's going to be hard for them to understand how this erodes confidence or interest in the sport in places like Washington, which I think is an excellent example because the Apple Cup was the, the major in-state regional football rivalry and now this news has suddenly just evaporated that that is a rivalry that was i believe one of the oldest rivalries in the entire sport yeah it's gone right like it's so it's it's tough for us to really appreciate that from our perspective as fans and i think that my my advice to other Ohio State fans and fans of other Big Ten teams going forward is really try to put yourself in the shoes of a fan of a school on the other side of this news when you're looking at this instead of just lazily looking at this as, oh, you know, I get Ohio State's got another, uh, you know, option for, you know, a West Coast trip now. So. Right. No, and I and that's and that's pretty much I think you said it better than I did, which is that it, it really is about kind of altering your perspective a little bit. And, you know, again, we talk about how the big 10 is like signing a $7 billion media contract. Like that's, that is inevitably going to cause ripple effects. You can't have that kind of money in the sport and the pretend that it's not going to have knock on effects all the way down to the Apple cup or, you know, San Diego state or whoever else. Um, It's going to impact the entire ecosystem of the sport. And, you know, I, I think, sometimes we've pretended that it wouldn't, right? And, and maybe we've tried to convince ourselves that like, well, it's fine. The, the money can just keep increasing and the way they do you know, business, blah, 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 does, doesn't actually impact the culture of the sport. And I think what people are starting to realize is that it's intrinsic to the culture of the sport and you can't separate those two things. And it's kind of sad, but it's also kind of um, something that had you wanted to preserve that, there was probably a more equi- equitable way to go about it that people weren't willing to do for whatever reason. And the the reason's money, but like, you know, understanding those connections are, or at least misunderstanding those connections is what people exploit to make sure that, you know, those television contracts get signed. My all, my, the, another point that I would have to make about this, and I, you know, this is, 
something that always comes up when we talk about conference expansion. Um, it's always the Notre Dame question, and right, like when is Notre Dame going to join the Big Ten? And I just wanted to say, we don't have to talk about this very long, but I just wanted to say briefly, I don't care anymore. I don't care. If Notre Dame has no reason to join a conference. Right now, they are are super set and solid with what they got. I say more power to them, whatever. I mean, I think if they join the Big Ten Conference, um, they would face a lot of harsh realities about you know playing a conference schedule and not three service academies every year. I don't care anymore. It doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter because the playoffs is going to be 12 teams. Ohio State's going to be in it every year. Notre Dame might be in it, and they will probably lose in the first round every single year, and I don't care anymore. So if they want to okay. say it, go for it. Let let me throw a scenario your way, all right? It is uh, October 1st. Mm-hmm. Marcus Freeman has once again stumbled out of the gate. Right. We'll say Notre Dame at least isn't undefeated through the first four weeks, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't know if they have a losing record. I don't know if they're 2-2. Two and two. They have at least had one blemish on their schedule big 10 saturday night is crushing it in the ratings like absolutely leaving everyone in the dust only on the time slot basis like they're serving up september slop like you know (laughs) michigan uh uh you know i remember that term for later so i can use it in the post september slot it's it's what uh what's his name used to feed off of when he was in michigan and he would win the heisman trophy every september Uh, i'm i'm forgetting his name old uh old denard robinson yeah Um, yeah that was the denard robinson special is that he'd be the top of the heisman list at the end of every september because you know oh congrats you ran for 200 yards on a on a mac team that was missing half of the defense and you know, saga tuck or something. So (laughs) like they did, that's my point is they've, the opening slate for this show is not good for like trying to really come out and make a strong statement. It's a lot of like, I don't want to say non-con, but it's just not great. Get like the first game on this is Penn state versus West Virginia. That's, Mm -hmm. that's not a banger to like kick things off. And I'm, I like WVU. More than James Franklin, at least. But that's not a good way to start things off. So if you're really trying to, like, knock it out of the park to begin, they're not stepping off on the right foot. And yet, just because it's Saturday night and people are – you can even see it now because we're in August. People are in the, oh, man, I can't wait for college football to get back. They're, you know, they're, they're, they got the itch. Like, they they want it. So whatever you give them on Saturday nights, they're going to end up going for it. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame's going to see that if they don't feel super confident about being a a perennial playoff maker, given the early results of this season, because they, they were shook with how things started last year. So yeah. let's say that they don't beat Ohio state. And then let's say they lose one game prior to the Ohio state game. Sure. Now you're in a position where you're not really set in stone on how, seriously Notre Dame's going to be taken considered or even if they're going to be a contender for a top 12 spot by the end of this season and you're seeing all these other teams that are presumably going to be in that same range are going to be getting built in eyeballs from this Big Ten Saturday night show right do you just continue to gawk at that or do you finally play ball knowing that you're going to join this conference that has I mean yeah, you're going to lose the service academies, but you know how much money you're going to rake in from renewing all these annual rivalries with Michigan and Michigan State and USC. Like, there's a smorgasbord of stuff for Notre Dame fans here that I don't know how you just look at that and just say, yeah, no, we'll we'll sit pat with uh, Navy and, you know, maybe we'll get the Citadel in the mix. Right. The bet that Notre Dame is making, and they've said this pretty emphatically, that they have no desire to join a conference, like, multiple times, including recently. But the bet that they are making... I don't think it's a front because the bet that they're making is that they're going to continue to be thrown money at uh, by NBC. And until NBC decides not to do that, they're going to, they're going to ride that out because for two reasons, first of all, the money's too good. They, they could make that leap. They could do that. That's fine. You know, to the big 10 or, you know, even the SEC or whoever they want to join. Um, But the money's too good right now for them to change what they're doing. Secondly, 
they risk losing a lot of prestige if they go to the Big Ten. Like the thing about Notre Dame that I think people really need to think about is that they've had some pretty good seasons. If you look at least in terms of record over the past, you know, 15, 20 years, but they haven't won anything. And they have a garbage record against their, you know, ranked opponents, both during the regular season and in the postseason. They have a losing record in the bowl games. Uh, they Every time they get into the BCS, they get annihilated. They don't want they, – they want to hold on to that. I know that sounds backwards, that they don't want to, like, you know, look terrible. They don't want to look continue to look terrible against these marquee opponents. But they want to at least be in the conversation. And so if they enter the Big Ten – pretty good chance that they're not in the conversation. Pretty good chance that instead they're in that B tier with Wisconsin, Penn State, maybe not even there, right, on a year-to-year basis. And they're fighting with the likes of Iowa. They don't want to do any of that. So they would much rather keep the prestige, uh, keep that marquee, you know, super bright lights, and then cash that giant check from NBC. And like I said, I don't begrudge them that. If that's their, If that's what they got and they can take advantage of it, then go for it. Um, I do think that they're going to get exposed more often than not, though, once this BCA, like it becomes a regular thing and they've got to try to prove it in the expanded playoff. And I think that's going to really bite them because they're not. And, and frankly, like, you know, we want Marcus Freeman to be successful because he's an Ohio State guy. He's a good dude. Like, I think he's a genuinely good human being. I think he's, the, you know, a right guy to work with uh, young people. Um, but they were not that great last year. And they, they kind of got it together a little bit towards the end of the season. Uh, but he's really got to prove himself in the next two or three years here. And I, I'm, I don't know. We'll see how it works out. Well, to your point, I believe that Cincinnati took down Notre Dame on their playoff runs. So perhaps Notre Dame is correct in ducking Luke Fickle by not. That's, that's right. But that's what I'm saying though, man, like they, it's harder than you think. And it's not, it's, it's just for Notre Dame. It, let me put it this way. If Clemson waltzed into the big 10, they would instantly be in the top tier teams. I think they would be fine. Notre Dame has a lot of things working against them. And if all of a sudden, like, you know, it becomes really real that they're competing against the likes of like, you know, Ohio state, you know, Michigan state, Michigan, right there at their door in Indiana, that's going to freak them out a little bit. So I, I think they want to stay in their little enclave and do what they do. And that's okay. Like I get it. Um, so the, the dream of having Notre Dame, in the big 10, I just don't see um, super likely to happen even amidst all of this chaos and i'm okay with it it's not something that really bothers me here's one thing that in spite of all of this negativity i think that we can kind of have about expansion i am actually really excited about the big 12 right now which what what a freaking comeback story this is a conference that i think most people had completely left for dead in the midst of all of this expansion right like they were basically going to be the pac 12 but instead what they've done is they've added a lot of really interesting teams um, they've got, I mean, it's a huge conference at this point, obviously, but adding Arizona, Arizona state, Colorado, Utah, that that's a fun freaking conference. If you look at them top to bottom, not just in football, but in basketball, the most interesting team is Utah. I, I, I think this is kind of overblown. I disagree because Cincinnati, I think is always going to be relatively, I think they're, you're going to have a lot of fun teams to watch. They're not going to be necessarily good teams. All right. I don't think the big 12 is winning a lot of national championships here. I do think they're going to be an entertaining conference. And if you look at basketball, basketball, they're going to destroy people. So I, I don't know. I think this is a really fun conference. They got a lot of cool, like younger teams, like upcoming guys. And I think they're going to be, they're going to be fun. They're they're They will continue to be viable. I think if the product is what people think it's going to be. I, I do think basketball, well, I'm mostly concerned about football. So well, sure, yeah. looking at this for football, it's not really a needle move. But to your point, basketball, this I think, if you're one of those people that's still holding out on the idea that the SEC hasn't overtaken the Big Ten, this is going to put the Big Ten in a very dangerous position very quickly, I think, where it could fall like – a tier below like the big 12, the ACC and the SEC when, when only a few years ago was the perception that the big 10 was like this deeper conference than any other by far. Right. It's so crazy how the landscape has completely transformed in over the last, you know, half decade or so. And now we're suddenly in a position where of those four major ones, basketball wise, the Big Ten may be the lowest on the totem right. pole. So I, I uh, I'm curious about that going forward. I'm, I'm excited I'm for um, 
I will say that I'm excited for Mick Cronin to be back uh, in <laughs> in Ohio. Um, that's going to be a treat for a lot of people who um, have loved to hate certain um, you know Big Ten basketball coaches, like notably Fran out there in Iowa. Uh, Mick Cronin is definitely going to scratch that itch. He's 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 going to be pretty hilarious to watch. So I'm excited for that. But yeah, I mean you're right. I mean that does kind of. That's that's crisis mode, I think, for the Big Ten. They've they've got to step up. A lot of their programs have to improve and, and show better than what they have. So, um, by the way, real quick, last thing I want to talk about, and in, in this whole dealy, which I'm sure will continue to you know break and change and all that stuff. Shout out to all the media people who, who um, you know, out there on uh, what August fourth. So this is the sixth. So on the fourth, which is Friday. So what I did is I had written. Um, I'd written an article uh, Thursday night talking about, you know, basically my thoughts and all of this and whatnot. And then uh, people went out and said, no way, man, like it's, it's falling apart. There's, it's not happening. They, they met and they decided this wasn't going to work. And so in the morning I was like, well, I guess we'll just hold off on publishing. Then of course they reversed course in like literally 20 minutes and said, no, 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 no. It actually is happening. I don't know what happened. And then by that time, Uh, things that advanced so much that like my post was out of, you know, out of step. Um, and then by the time it finally, you know, was finalized, we had already moved on. I'm like, thanks. I wrote 750 words that I'm just going to have to can. So I may rework it. The nature of the, uh, pseudo sports journalist. Yeah. I like, what, what are we doing here? Like, I don't understand how you can be so taken in by your sources who are like just yanking your chain perpetually for like 36 hours on this story. So um, shout out to everybody who, who basically decided not to get the story right and just report whatever anybody told them. So that was great. Yes. Really all the, all the quasi sports writers out there that had their opinions vaporized by a few tweets. That's, oh my God. That was the thing though about, man, it's like every new tweet, everybody was like, oh, oh, just come on. Like, just please for love of God, just wait. I, well, we were kidding about it. We were like, nothing drives people crazier than a board of regents meeting, and then we <laughs> saw right. how that actually played out. Board of regents after midnight. Um, yeah, which board is regents after dark. Yeah, it's like it's like when you turn on like uh, what USA Network, like in Silk Stockings comes on at like eleven thirty. No, no, it's when you no the no regents after dark is uh, Showtime past ten thirty p.m. <laughs> That's right, Cinemax. Um, <laughs> disgusting. Anyway, uh, so we'll we'll continue to talk about that as as the story breaks, and then we try to ignore actual breaking news in favor of like real news that you know makes sense. Um, before we get to ask us anything, we do want to remind you, of course, that the Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store, elevenwarriors.com. Dry Goods at elevenwarriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of stuff. Check it out. Let's do ask us anything. Okay, let's do ask us anything. Um, so as a reminder, you can send us questions to, uh, dubcast at 11warriors.com. We have a question here. First of all, Dan, um, you asked a very specific question. I'm not going to reveal it yet because I do need to do some research. Unfortunately, I was not able to do it this week, but I promise you I will get answers on this. So next time we meet, you will have your answer to your question. I'm not going to reveal it yet, uh, but I just want to reassure you, Dan, that it is in the pipeline, and I'll make sure that we get a definitive answer on that. Wow, that's so cryptic. I'll be I know, and it's actually, it's not even, it's not like that crazy, but it's an interesting question, and I want to make sure I do it right. So I don't want to just be like, I don't know. So right. I'm going to do I'm some research. excited, Dan. Yeah, Dan, uh, Dan, I, our Dan, Dan Hope, and, and everybody else, we'll, we'll get on it. We'll, we'll get to the bottom of this. Um, all right, so this one's from our good friend Alvin, who wants to know, what color do you wear well? What color do you not wear so well? That, that's funny. For Are you me. an autumn, just, George? I, I used to not be able to wear any colors. Uh, but <laughs> I'm down. No, seriously. But now I'm down like, I don't know. I honestly, I, I got to the point where I was just like, I'm, I'm going to lose weight, but I'm not going to just scale it or anything. I'm just going to, sure. you know let it come off and people look now i are not people look people will let me know if it's off or not rather okay. i'm not that vain uh but my point is i it's like, like hecklers on the street let you know if if you know you got a rock and fit or not well this is miami it's a very image conscious city say, you know? yeah. not, not like columbus where you can just you know, <laughs> 
the dregs just walk of around. Middle. You just roll out of bed and walk around, That's and you'll, you'll look the same as you know somebody out on like fourth and nineteenth uh, or something. But <laughs> I, um, wow. I'm just yeah. kidding around. I, 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 that, I, I used to live out there. But anyway, I, I used to live. I used to live out there. I I know right. what it's like rolling around over by Fourth uh, Street Bar and everything. Right. I know how it goes. Anyway, my point is, back during those days, I was like 250 pounds, so mm. I used to not be able to wear like you know pretty much any colors well at all. Right. My general advice is, you know, I, I you know as I've gotten more in shape, I've gotten less conscious about like you know you're just generally able to wear more clothes better and make more things work which is one of the reasons i think you see models wearing increasingly eccentric things it's more of like a oh this is so ridiculous but i'm so like right i'm so good looking i can pull it off you don't even necessarily need to go bright but just emphasize solid colors if you're like even if you're heavier you're worried about (laughs) making things work for yourself just keep the focus on solid colored shirts right. with sleeves that right. fit whatever your arm type is. I think that is generally <laughs> my approach. No, that's a really good point because a lot of times you get those shirts and like the sleeves are either like way too tight and they make you look like, you know, you're just like a sausage casing or they're like really floppy and they just look like, you know, you look like a dude from like 1997. And, you know, when all shirts are basically the exact same cut and same size and made out of cardboard. So you try to want to avoid that. I will say I really like I like lighter colors uh, typically, although I don't have a ton of like lighter shirts just because I don't care. And I'm not really trying to dress. But like if I'm wearing a dress up shirt, for example, I like kind of wearing a light blue. Right. And then like a black tie or something like that. So I like I like the lighter colors typically if I'm actually making an effort. Um, like I have a blue, it's not a bright blue suit. It's like a medium blue, but I, you know, that's, that's kind of what I go for. I like that lighter kind of look, um, colors. I don't wear well, probably everything. Um, I, the whole thing is just a magic trick. I'm just trying to convince people that I'm not like, you know, a goblin. So Johnny's being uh, very humble as we've tried to illustrate (laughs) on the show before. He's the sexiest librarian in Columbus. He'll just never, you're going to, yeah, that's, I, that's, that's. Very kind words, but I gotta tell you something. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta go to the library. I'm just telling. I'm, I'm trying to tell people go to the library. It's some pretty good looking. People every, every the time they check out a book at Johnny's library, the bow chicka wow wow sound <laughs> plays in the background. That's right. That's what the, that's the sound that the scanner makes. Okay, so our next question is from Kevin, uh, who, this is not part of his question, but he just wants to point this out. He says, guys, we recently tried to get tickets for a football game this season, but it was too expensive. We will try it for next season, but I am reminded of the Yogi Bear quote. Nobody goes there anymore. It is too crowded. Godspeed to you, sir. Um, it is extremely expensive, and it is kind of a shame that, you know, people are just getting super priced out uh, of the experience because it's it shouldn't be that way. If you're a diehard fan, there should be easier ways to get into the stadium than dropping $500 on the experience. So I'm, I'm sympathetic with you on that 100% question that he has is what do you think will be ohio state's most sneakily difficult game this season who could upset them uh who do you think will make me upset by upsetting ohio state or could possibly do that george oh it's it's gotta be youngstown state yeah. <laughs> it's gotta be and roll in and okay in all seriousness i do, i do think it's western kentucky i i, I really <laughs> do think that yeah, help. it's, it's okay. the week it's the week before the Notre Dame game. All right. It's their Western Kentucky has a bit of a meme rep, but they do, you know, they're they're they really try to lay it on thick with the points. If they come in and they don't, I know we're expecting big things from this team defensively, but if sure. they give up a few big plays to the Hilltoppers and it's able to get that kind of shootout pace early that may not necessarily be preferential for a new quarterback getting acclimated to a starting role that may experience some turbulence and or make some unforced errors uh, in the interest of the keeping pace with the quick decision making. I think that, you know, we're over a month and a half out from that game, but it it wouldn't surprise me if Ohio State gets some early turbulence in that one. And I think 
because of its position on the schedule relative to how tricky of a team that can be in certain settings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that might be the most uh, intriguing potential upset game for Ohio State at home on their schedule at the moment. Um, but, you know, it's a long season, and there's certainly more established players that will be coming to Columbus than the Hilltoppers. But for, for the sake of fun hypotheticals, I'm going to say Western Kentucky gives Ohio State a scare. So, you know what, that's actually an interesting take. And I know a lot of people listening that would probably dismiss it out of hand. It's like, Western Kentucky, Hilltop, give me a break. They were a weirdly uh, effective offensive team um, last year in a lot of ways. You were kind of following them a little bit. Yeah, that's I mean, they, their rep is that they'll They'll, they'll, they'll really, put up points. They, yeah. they dropped 73 on Florida uh, FIU. What is it? Florida International. Um uh, university down there. That's right. Uh, they dropped seventy three on them. Charlotte. They they won fifty nine to seven. Like this is a team that can put up points. So that will be an interesting matchup. I don't think that Ohio State will necessarily, uh, you know, be super challenged for them. They could be looking ahead to Notre Dame. My answer to this is actually still kind of in the orbit of the Notre Dame game, which is their next game, which is against Maryland, because they got to play a pretty talented quarterback. Um, a team that I think could do some damage. Now, granted, they get them at home, and, you know, at Ohio Stadium, which will help. But uh, it's also after a bye week, so they've got Notre Dame, they've got the bye week, and then they've got to like recenter themselves for Maryland. So, however that ends up going against Notre Dame, and I expect Ohio State to win fairly handily. But uh, if Ohio State, however they come out of that, they've got to be able to recenter themselves after a week off and, and be, you know, able to take on, um, you know, a quarterback that I think is going to be one of the better ones that they face all season. So that will be interesting to me. I don't expect them to lose to Maryland. Uh, I, I, I think there are bigger challenges on the, um, on the schedule, but in terms of like sneakily difficult game, I think Maryland is probably going to be pretty high up there. So that should be interesting. And then, of course, I mean, I don't know that Purdue is ever sneakily difficult at this point. I think they're pretty, <laughs> pretty, very obviously difficult just for Ohio State. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably uh, – that's one to look for. Next question here, this is from Joshua F., who wants to know, what is the biggest trip you've ever taken on a whim? So you said, screw it, let's go. Oh, man. Now, I will say, as you know, if you're in Ohio, right, the uh, the traditional, uh, you know, let's let's go here trip is is Windsor, right? Like you head up to Canada and you take advantage of the, uh, you know, the drinking age and whatever when you're a senior in high school or whatever. But um, what's the what's the biggest trip you've just said? I'm going to Grand Canyon or whatever. I, I mean, I've literally did that last year, so I don't know what the the criteria is for on a whim but for the moment you say like you don't plan it it's something that the day of you're like let's we're going oh okay then what i did wouldn't count because i literally drove miami to phoenix and back last year and i did that to get eight states off of my 50 list that i would never visit otherwise like alabama but was that was that like a trip Oklahoma. you had planned like was that something that you would well, i bought a ticket to the ufc event that was in phoenix in may so i the, my, okay. that was my excuse for driving out there so i did there was planning and I had to, you know, get hotels and stuff. So, I mean, you like not like doing a trip otherwise where you don't have like lodging booked in advance. That's just irresponsible. So don't <laughs> don't do that. You know, like no, you're, you're spending more money than you would need to otherwise. And it's just, it's like, oh yeah, being fun and spontaneous, it's great. Yeah, it's also not really a, a fiscally is the responsible way to go about living your life. Um, That being said, I have had days, I think where um, when I lived in Ohio that, well, actually not in Ohio, you know, I, I had a, um, I've, I've regrettably, not regrettably, but begrudgingly have had to concede that, you know, there are some places in that territory up north that are worth <laughs> at least observing going, with your man, own I'm eyes. This week. I'm headed out uh, this week up north. To, I, to a, a, a friend and I, uh, a kind of a spur of the moment thing, I was not really, you know, in great spirits. He had actually just gotten through a uh, pregnancy scare with his girlfriend 
and I believe had just also been in a car accident. He was someone that like had put a lot of money into like tricking out his car and whatever. So he was kind of devastated about that. So we were both just kind of like down on ourselves and like needed to like something to do. And we were like, I, and I told him that like, I had just been up to the Sagatuck dunes in Michigan. And I was like, I, I want to go back up there. Cause I wanted to get a picture of the sunset. Cause I didn't quite get there in time would you want to go up and do that? And it's like a three hour trip from Chicago, but mm-hmm. this was a person who I had worked with, uh, you know, for about a year at that point, I think he was like, yeah, sure. Let's go. So kind of a impromptu spur of the moment thing. We, you know, hauled the three hours up there and we didn't get up there for, by the time we like parked and then cut through the woods. Cause it's like a state park where the dunes are up in Sagatuck. And by the time we got out to the shoreline, we didn't have much time left, but the sun was coming down right below like a whole bed of clouds. And I took probably the best picture I've ever taken in my life just because I, I took the three hours and then it was a three hour round trip back through the darkness, of course, with, you know, someone who was effectively a coworker. But right. I, I took a, I took the best picture I've ever taken in my life. And it just, it, it committed my, like it reinforced my commitment to exploration and just like putting in that much time to go out and see something in nature, because you you really never know when you're going to happen upon a miracle of life like that. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's still the five years later, I look back on it and the, the red of the sun bouncing off the clouds and it, it turned the water of the lake red with the sunset and the yellow over with the, the gray. I mean, it, it's just a whole symphony of color. It's it's a blend of the colors of the Ohio State Michigan rivalry. That's why I love that picture. <laughs> there you so much. go. It's, no, that's it's awesome. really magnificent. So just never be afraid of taking those trips, but just don't go far enough where you think you're going to have to be, you know, spending an overnight or something. Because if you pay for a hotel stay day of, that's going to burn a hole in your pocket. That's true. Um, I so. The trip was planned. The means of conveyance was not. Um, I was going to to Montreal, and there was a plane ride lined up, but I ended up not doing the plane ride for various reasons and decided to drive instead. So I drove from Seabus to Montreal, which is about an 11 and a half hour drive. Um, I did it. I actually had, I stayed overnight in a place in rural New York on the way up. So you day um, of made the decision to drive 11. Basically, hours. yeah, I drove. It's, yes. It's disgusting. Yeah, it was not the best move on my part. And then I had to I drive I feel like back. you should have to read a disclaimer before you tell that story on a podcast. Like, yeah, it was Do not do move. this. Yeah, don't. Yeah, I agree. Don't do that. I almost hit like five deer on the way there. You know, you drive, you know, you're driving through like an American reservation. So you don't know exactly where you are and everything's different. And, you know, it, just a lot of things I didn't really, I wasn't really prepared for, um, you know, so anyway, and th- and a lot of this was like in the dark. Uh, so I don't recommend doing that. Um, and then on the way back, I actually did a straight shot. I left at like, I don't know, 11 and then got back to uh, Columbus at 1130 or something like that. Cause I, cause what I did was on my way back, uh, I took a detour to Niagara Falls <laughs> and then hung out on Niagara Falls for like an hour just because cool. I felt like it. And then uh, then I drove back. To, but that was a very, very long day. And uh, I, I don't recommend it. I, I should have just got on. I, I, I've made irresponsible detours to see natural landmarks before. So I, I get it. I saw yeah, it. I think I cut through South Dakota to see Devil's Tower. I don't know if it's there in Wyoming, but I, I, That's I Wyoming, did that. Still. Yeah, no, so it is Wyoming. So I was doing it on my way back from California. I, I made sure That's cool. I wanted to get a picture of that. So yeah, I, that I, I can empathize awful. with Niagara. Niagara Falls is beautiful, but yeah, that 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 was something where I could have uh, I could have gone on the plane. Um, What's the right. longest drive you've made in one shot? That's it. Yeah, that was it. Eleven. From- yeah, from well, it was total. It was like you know, with stops, it was probably like eleven and a half. But yeah, Montreal to Columbus, that was. I've done. I've done fifteen from Chicago to Denver. Twice. Too much. It's too much. Nice. Now, as a passenger, as a passenger, this is even stupider. Uh, my this is when I was a senior in high school, 
And my sister was performing um, in a show choir in Disneyland, whichever one's in Orlando. I always forget which one it is. World Florida. is Florida land. World is, is Florida. Okay. I'll have to come up with some mnemonic device to remember that. But regardless, uh, she was performing and we're at Disney World. And we drove from Columbus, Ohio to Orlando, Florida in a straight shot. And um, I wasn't old enough to drive the rented car. Although in retrospect, it probably should have at least done part of it because that was a lot of driving and we did not stop. I mean, we we stopped for like food and stuff, but we didn't stay overnight anywhere. It was just we left at three in the afternoon and uh, showed up at uh, at uh, Epcot Center, I think at something like five in the morning. And we were all pretty angry <laughs> at the end of that. So that was a that was a long trip. That was a that was a long day as well. If you if you have trouble remembering it, just think about Arnold Schwarzenegger yelling at you and saying, "It is not Disney World. It is Disneyland." <laughs> there you, I will do that. There you go. Um, I also okay. did San Fran to Spokane, Washington, which was that's, the equivalent of fifteen hours. I was going to say that's the same be same trip. Nice. So you, right. your boy your boy's been sea to shining sea quite a few times. I was about to say that's legit. Um, okay, this next one's from Evan, who wants to know, and this maybe is kind of related to the question we just answered, but what is your best, seemed like a good time, good idea at the time story? I, I have too many of those. Well, give me that, that trip from Miami to Phoenix is a seemed like a good, are you kidding? <laughs> that was 36 hours and like four days of driving I did. And then I had to go all the way back. It was, right. oh my God. You, you wouldn't believe worked. the story. You wouldn't believe the stories I have from that trip, but I did post my pictures when I went to Odessa, Texas, mm-hmm. and I saw the Permian field for uh, Friday night lights. I did That's post cool. those in the 11 warriors slack too, when I went. So I, it was a great trip. A lot of, lot of interesting stories from it. Uh, but yeah, just I, my dude, my whole life is full of stories like that. So, you know, be, be a little bit more specific and maybe I'll talk about them on the dub. So, okay. And this is another, this is a Japan story. When I I took a trip to uh, Kyoto and Nara and so I was living in the southernmost island, um, on Kyushu, like southernmost main island. And I took a, Took a couple of connector trains, and then I took the bullet train um, from basically Fukuoka to um, to Nara, and that was fine. It was a great experience. I mean, I, I I got I loved riding on the Shinkansen and all that stuff. It was cool. Um, and then to save money for whatever stupid reason, I decided to take an overnight bus uh, from because I was talking to my wife about this actually today. But I took an overnight bus from uh kyoto to um Nikonojo where i was living and um i don't know why first of all i do have to emphasize it was an overnight bus it did have a bathroom but i'm six foot two like i'm a legit six foot two i'm a pretty big like gangly guy and uh i do not fit in a japanese overnight bus bathroom um the seemed like a good idea at the time part of the story is we made a stop at like 10 o'clock at night or something like that for food. And I decided to take a chance on a uh, convenience store, uh, Buffalo chicken wrap in rural Japan. (laughs) And I are universal truths in this world that travel across oceans. I know. I know. I don't get the Buffalo chicken from a, from a gas station and so and you, and you don't ever go number two on a bus for i couldn't, I, couldn't I literally but but george i literally couldn't because i couldn't fit in the bathroom i i could not shut it to the point where like i could do the thing that i had to do and so i was just like they don't call him johnny game. dubs for nothing folks. oh it was <laughs> that's disgusting uh but it was terrible it was awful and so I just felt horrible uh, all the way. Like the uh, you know the last eight hours of the ride were just hell. And then uh, I remember they dropped me off at the station on the outskirts of the town that I was living in, and I flagged down a taxi at like six in the morning. And I said like move, like go. In my broken Japanese, I was just like you gotta go, homie. Like we gotta move. And to to his credit, he he you know freaking floored it and you know got me back in time. But it was. That was a bad, that was, I'm just, I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to have 
the convenience store Buffalo Chicken Wrap at uh, 10 p.m. when I'm stuck on a bus. So. The only time I will ever subject myself to anything like that is those those like taqueritos they sell at 7-Eleven. <laughs> okay. If I had to live off of one gas station food the rest of my life, I think I could make that work. Anything you know else what? is going to cause me total digestive failure. But that's the thing, though, because like most convenience stores, they, they're called convenience in, in Japan. Their food is excellent. It, it's like fresh and really well done. And I was like, I can I can roll the dice on this. It'll be fine. And then that was like the one time it just completely bit me in the ass. So I don't know. Um, all right. So real quick, this is the last one. This is from Matt Minneapolis. Uh, so a point and a question. So we have a baseball man in charge of the Big Ten. Why is it that nobody in the national media is drawing the obvious parallel be, uh, between uh, what is happening with college football landscape and pre-World Series post-1860s baseball? Uh, effectively, we're paring things down to the NLAL analogy with the Big Ten and the SEC being the two presumed power brokers. Johnny is a fellow historian. He has a BA and an MA. I just have a humble bachelor's in history. My master's is actually in education, not history. So I'm, I defer to you, Matt. Uh, I feel that this would make for a fascinating article. I do. The answer to your question, though, uh, fellow historian, is that um, people don't care about <laughs> free World Series baseball in the context of college football. Yeah, that, as someone that likes history but is not a historian, I would say yeah. that's a better – maybe ask Keith Burns that question, not the 11 – Ken Burns? Ken Burns? Yeah, Ken Burns, yeah. The guy that made that 11-hour baseball documentary for That's Peter right, Lewis. which is a great documentary and, and made other amazing documentaries as well. But, um, yeah, I think the problem is, is that there's just too many – anachronisms that you have to kind of parse if you're going to try to make that kind of that kind of comparison right like it, you're really going to be doing a lot of like leg work and, and making those uh making those things uh work i think but regardless it's an interesting point and i i do think and we kind of talked about this earlier in the um in the dubcast but um I think that the viability, the current viability of the Big 12 kind of throws a wrench in some of that a little bit. And I like I don't think I mean, you talk about the triple entente, George. Um, I don't know if, if we'll actually see that, um, but or how viable that is long term. But right now, it looks like you'll have this kind of equilibrium of of these three giant conferences and then maybe a bunch of like, you know, lesser conferences and then independents. So you know, kind of orbiting that. What is that? The three body problem, right? And, in, in uh, astrophysics. Well, it's um, going to be four. So I think we, it's got, it's like a quadrant of, of evil. Or oh yeah. I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting the ACC. Yeah. I guess I'm operating the assumption that Florida state's going to blow that all up, but um, that's the, the parallelogram of despair. Across <laughs> college football. <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, I haven't seen Triangle of what is it? Triangle of Despair. What is that movie that just came out? I don't know. The one where everybody's throwing who goes up to the it. movies anymore. I mean, That's we just point. we had to get everyone riled up over the Triangle bar, of the bar, the Boppenheimer, whatever they were Boppenheimer? called. Boppenheimer. I gotta check. I, I haven't seen either of those yet, and I still need to do that. Um, all right. So great questions this week. Uh, we'll continue to a- answer them if you continue to ask them. And again, Dan, uh, I will I will look into that for you. Um, Real quick, because we're, we're kind of running short on time here. We've got a lot. Obviously, we've talked a lot about conference realignment. There's still football happening, believe it or not. Um, Ohio State is out there practicing now, which is pretty cool. I just want to talk about a few things. But but what I'm going to do is I'll, I'll give you a list, or not a list, a selection of these stories we've kind of talked about on the website a little bit. I want you to tell me, George, what you think is the most interesting or potentially consequential to the upcoming football season in your opinion. So we've got Evan Pryor. He says he's back and feeling healthy, had to keep his legs straight for however freaking long and had to poop with his legs standing straight out. Now he's feeling great. Um, I mean, there's your answer right there. (laughs) I mean, that was the quote of the week. I love that. Uh, Steel Chambers says CJ Hicks is like killing it. You've got Eichenberg back. Linebacker core looks to be really kind of like the, the solid, big, solid part of the defense. And then Ryan Day, um, you know, basically says the hell with it. We're just going to we're going to roll and see what happens. Maybe, you know, up and through the season with the quarterback situation. So of those three, uh, what do you think is the most notable story that we're, we're going to be thinking about? 
Well, we've talked about all three of those a little bit on many of the off-season shows. Yeah. I, I will say, I mean, we, we talked about Pryor as early as last week in terms of us being happy to see him back. I believe you said you thought he was going to be the X factor for the mm-hmm. season. So it, you would think that at face value, that would probably be it. I would say just in terms of long-term, what affects the team the most, we were kind of regretting or dread like dreading the potential for a quarterback battle to go the distance up to when the season starts so the fact that days kind of contend with just being in a we'll roll with it and see what happens mentality camp just started so that's fine you you hope that they just get into a more concrete area maybe like two weeks out from now in terms of what they really want to do as opposed to getting all the way to the doorstep of the season and then making a decision as opposed to putting and and maybe within the team it's more understood who's going to get that but Mm -hmm. I think you generally just want to be equipped with a sense of certainty when you're making your preparation for these games that you know who your signal caller on the field is going to definitively be so I I will say prior relative to what we talked about last week is probably the most encouraging of these three stories most relevant for the entire team I think is probably the the commitment to the quarterback battle that we were sort of hoping wouldn't be the case at least uh, as the season really really starts to get to its precipice I'm actually and, and I agree with that I mean I think that's you know obviously the quarterback you got you know the most important uh, position on the field but the the linebackers and and that position just overall in terms of like personnel you know not even production just the guys that they've added I mean obviously uh, you know recently you've got the the transfer from Northwestern Nigel Glover um, you know I wanted man, CJ Hicks out there last year. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, there's a lot of dudes that have been waiting in the wings. Um, you know, you got Sonny Styles, who the thing about Sonny Styles, I always forget is how massive that guy is. Like, you read these articles and you're like, oh, wait, he's like 6'4, 230. That's why I said he could be the best MMA fighter on the on the Ohio right. State's roster. Yeah, and like, I, the defense, I mean, I don't, I'm a pessimist at heart and I still remember how the season ended and I'm like, man, you got it. You got to be better than what you were. But then you look at the players, the personnel that they have, I think the elements are all there. And I don't think anywhere it's more apparent than, you know, the safeties and the linebackers where you've got veterans at the position, guys who have been super productive and really, really solid. Court Williams Um, just moved from safety to linebacker officially this week. There you go. And, And so, you've got a lot of dudes who people expect a lot of who are excited to see them, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, strut their stuff on the field for the first time. There's just a lot going on in that part of the the team. And, you know, I think everybody's gonna be wringing their hands about the, uh, the quarterback situation. That's, that's fair. I mean, if that's something that you're concerned about or interested in, I'm not poo pooing that. What I'm saying though, is, is that maybe the most interesting storyline, the most dynamic storyline is going to be how the defense performs particularly in those early games you know when they're challenged by some interesting players that kind of stuff teams that can put up points um i think you're going to know a lot more about ohio state's defense than you are earlier than you are going to know about ohio state's quarterbacks because both of the quarterbacks the guys that they have you know competing and seeing who's going to be a starter they're going to be works in progress no matter who ends up winning that job like, nobody's going to come in, I don't think. I don't think Kyle McCord and Devin Brown are going to start their first game and blow anybody away with, like, 400 yards pass or anything like that. I don't see that happening. But the defense, you will know how much they've improved, how they're working together as a unit, um, you know, what kind of impact some of these, like, five starts can make. You're going to know that, I think, pretty quickly um, because of how dominant, you know, hopefully they'll be against those lower tier teams. If you see them giving up the same kind of points and making mental mistakes and, you know, giving up long plays, like really long plays that they shouldn't or slipping or whatever, okay, then that's time to be concerned. But if they're locking dudes down even early in the season, I think that's a really encouraging sign. Um, so I'm excited. I'm really excited to see these guys on the field because you've got a lot of talent, like a lot of talent out there. And Jim Knowles is not a dummy. He, he certainly knows what he's doing. He's, he's got a method. He's got a system. And he wants those guys to play within it. And I'm just pumped to see him do it. I, I want to see what it looks like. So, you know, 
quarterback is obviously huge. I'm not trying to take away from that. But in terms of what I personally want to see, it, it's it's the defensive uh, it's the defensive side of the ball, particularly linebackers and safeties. Fair I think that would be pretty sweet. So that'll be cool. We'll definitely keep an eye on all of that, uh, especially as camp continues. I know we got super distracted by conference realignment and all that cool stuff. And if you have questions about it, please send you know please send them to ask us anything. We'll answer them. Uh, but we do want to talk about the football. So next week, week after that, we'll be all about it and uh, anxiously awaiting the beginning of football season, which will come up sooner than we think. So until then, I'm Johnny. I'm Joey. And we'll see you next time.